Okay, Parashat Vayishlach is on page 170. It's in Perek Lamed Bet, but I'd like to back it up, uh, both because we missed last week as well as because Parashat Vayeseh certainly connects in terms of the story of Yaakov, but thematically as well, in many ways, there's connections between Vayeseh and Vayishlach. I'd like to bring this conversation from Vayeseh through Vayishlach. I'd preface, though, with a story and a message that I told on Shabbat, which I'd like to really follow through the conversation over here, at least in my mind, um, something that very much was at the core of Yaakov's development. I told on Shabbat how my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, my Zaidi, Alav HaShalom, who was a survivor of Auschwitz, who was a Holocaust survivor, used to say from time to time that he, in contrast to many others, but not everyone, um, was able to grow through the war in his connection to God. He didn't blame anyone or think negatively about anyone who lost their religious or spiritual connection. But he, even though he lost his parents, even though he suffered greatly over the course of um, several years, he nonetheless described how not in spite, at least in his mind, all the trials and tribulations that he had over the course of those years, did he find himself connected with God. But somehow, and for long, in my mind, inexplicably, he found God and connected to him. He grew up an individual who was connected, but found him during these difficult times and lived his life throughout afterwards in a very religious, connected fashion. He always felt it was specifically that the difficulties strengthened him in that which again is a little bit ironic. It appears to be counterintuitive. You generally speaking would assume an individual has an easier life, an easier time, experiences their connection with God in a greater way. Alternatively, his story, and I think the story of Yaakov through its development, teaches something, an opportunity, altogether different in that respect. So I'd like to start at the beginning of Vayese, to quickly go to the end of Vayese, and then bring you into Parashat Vayishlach, and portray to you how this sort of description, this sort of message and lesson is very much throughout the story of Yaakov. Remember, Yaakov did not have an easy life, far from it. Vayezeh and Vayishlach tell much about that, and yet his growth, seemingly inexplicably, but maybe not so much so, is manifested specifically through those difficulties. It's almost as if he has the opportunity, he's forced to find God within that, which in turn I think is, is a very telling message and lesson to each of us. We oftentimes, again, mistakenly assume that the easier life would be for me, the more connected I would be. Instead of understanding almost the opportunity of searching for God in the difficulties as the greatest opportunity, the best way to find him as, as being a true lesson. So Parashat Vayese, again on page 144, begins with Yaakov's vision of that sulam, sulam, a ramp or a ladder, which he sees uh, situated on the ground and making its way up to the heavens. There's a lot to that imagery, which I'd like to return to, but for the moment, to, spe to focus specifically on what he sees on that sulam. If you take a look on page 144, the Pasuk says, Pasuk Yod has this dream, and there is this sulam, this ramp, which is on the ground, heading up to the heaven, and there are angels of God ascending and 
descending on it, going up and coming down. Now, the Pesukim, the Torah, never tells us the significance of these angels. The rabbis searching, seeking for some significance, suggest maybe it's the angels of exit from uh, Israel and into Galut. That's an explanation, but the Torah, surprisingly, never has anything doing with these. They just are. It's almost as if we're supposed to notice Yaakov's observation of angels in this moment. Now, there is a message from God. There's no questioning that. Uh, there's something more. Now, in terms of the specific uh, imagery of them going up and down, there's much to be said. But just pausing for a moment and taking in and realizing, Yaakov sees angels. That's significant in my mind, in and of itself. Because if you, uh, we could keep the place for a moment, but if you skip all the way to the end of Parashat Vayetze, literally, the last Pesukim in the Parashat, on page 168, this is as Yaakov finished two decades plus in the house of Lavan. This is after the difficult times. Yaakov on page 168 uh, describes how the last two Pesukim, the bottom page, Perek Lamed Bet, Pasuk Bet, and Gimal Vayaakov, Halach Ledarko. Yaakov goes on his way. He parts ways with Lavan, and he's headed home. Vayifge'u bo malache Elohim. Would you know it? They are the angels again. And in the eyes of the rabbi, same angels. After all, he's headed back to Israel. Makes sense. Vayomer Yaakov ka'asher ra'am. I want to focus now for a moment on the reaction of Yaakov. What's Yaakov's reaction? Mahane Elohim This is a camp of God. Vayikrashem ha'makom ha'hu mahanaim. He names the place camps. Almost as if there wasn't just one camp of angels, but two, in the eyes again of the Hachamim, representative of the same two types of angels going up and down, those upon departure and those upon entrance, that's what he's seeing here again. Again, in short, Parashat Vayetze is bookended by angelic appearances in the life of Yaakov. But listen to the difference. The beginning of the parasha has a static Yaakov sleeping not able to speak to them, not able to even wrap his head around it. Yaakov even awakens from the dream at the beginning of Vayese, Vayira Vayomar, Manora Hamakom Hazeh. He's fearful, he's awestricken. My goodness, look how awesome this place is. He's taken aback. I didn't realize. The description of Yaakov, the beginning of Vayese, is an individual overcome by the encounter. He wasn't expecting it. He wasn't realizing it was coming. It's finished. It passed. He had no way of interacting. He couldn't and wasn't active. And he's really jolted backward. Interestingly, at least in my mind, that's the type, if I were to tell you the storyline outside, that's in my thinking of it, what I would have expected after 20 years of work in the house of Lavan. This moment, the beginning of Parashat Vayetzeh, is right after he left mom and dad's house. At, say it again. Even, but it's angels, Alana. Angels, real world? Angels is spirituality. Angels is connecting to God. And I'm going to go with your line for a moment as well. If... The rabbis have 14 years of study of Torah. If he's coming from that, that's the moment where he's overcome, overwhelmed, and awestricken by the moment, caught off guard, can't believe it, didn't realize, not ready for this? That's when he's having that? 
Wouldn't you imagine that's at the end of the parasha? After 20 plus years in the house of Lavan, after being tricked, after being uh, held accountable for things he didn't do, after having a difficult time, your spiritual uh, tendencies are very much diminished in such a situation. I, but his reaction in that moment is very matter-of-fact. It's almost as if he was expecting it. Oh, look, I mean, I, I always imagine these pesukim as him matter-of-factly stating. He looks at it and he says, Almost as if he turned to his children and said, Guys, look at that. You know what that is? Those are angels. It's, I can't imagine it actually happened like that. Angels generally are in dreams and are in some sort of vision. But listen to the way it's told in the Torah. The way it's told is he speaks and he almost points to them. There's nothing overwhelming about it. Here, now, at this point in his life, this is where he should be overwhelmed. I remember the good old days. I, you know, it's like, I, I, unfortunately, it was in a difficult situation, but a week ago, a week and a half ago, I went to uh, somewhere in New Jersey for a shiva'av, a good, good, old, old friend who I learned Torah with for years, for hours during the day. Haven't seen him in quite some time. His mother passed away and I was sitting at the Shiva and finished and drove back from New Jersey with my wife and was really nostalgic. Not because I don't see my life as filled with or attempting to fill it with spiritual engagement and uplifting uh, situations, etc. But those years of my life when I was strictly and specifically dedicated to studying Torah, where there was very little else going on, aside from a small family that I was tending to and spending time with, those are times I'm nostalgic, like, you know, that's, that's the beginning of the parasha. That's the good old days. That's when you look back and the grass was really green back then. And Yaakov, ironically, then is overwhelmed by the angels. It's after 20 plus years, in the rabbinate, no, I'm just kidding, in, in Bet Lavan, where he has difficulty, where he has a hard time, now he's ready for this? Now he's accustomed to it? So I, I return to the story I mentioned earlier, not story, the, the recollections of my grandfather. I wonder, and I want to bring this forward into Parashat Vayishlach, whether Yaakov's reaction in this moment is not one that should surprise us that much, but should inspire us. And what I mean by that is Yaakov, instead of being overwhelmed and overcome by the trials, tribulations, difficulties of real life, outside Alana of the Beit Midrash, away from his parents' spiritual household, in the real world, the hard times, maybe it shouldn't be so surprising. Maybe that's specifically where if you do this right, if your mind and heart are attuned to searching for God, it's those moments, those times where we can find him most. I mentioned on Shabbat as well because I was very inspired by this after being in Israel for a little bit, that I, uh, at one point we were sitting at the, in, in the home actually of... Um, Oh gosh, was this? It sounds like a rabbinic line, not Yishai Rebo, the other very famous singer. Omar Adam, Omar Adam, Omar Adam. So he's sitting, I'm sorry, and I really, and I didn't know his name then, but like now I do, and now I realize that I know many of his songs. This was not like to make myself sound more rabbinic than I forgot his name. So anyway, we were at Omar Adam's home, like we were able to be together with him. There was a connection with someone, we were sitting with it, and I, I really at the time didn't know who he was, and so that we were with a, a certain rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda Azrad, and so I was asked him, could you tell me about Omar Adam? I said, I just was curious. I said, is he, is he dati? Is he religious? Because it seems like many religious people are very inspired by him. He said, no, he's not at all. He said, he's barely, at least according to, he's barely mesorati. He doesn't have much of a religious background. 
I said, that's interesting. And he said, you don't understand, Rabbi Harari. You don't understand what has happened in Israel over the course of, not just now, but specifically now, strengthened. So the course of the past many years, during times where the country has had somewhat trying times, the people have become specifically from that, he described, inspired to a certain connectedness. People have found God not in the Bet Midrash and not in the Bet Knesset per se, but they've just found them in almost organic, out of the ordinary difficult trials and tribulations of life. He said to me, um, this, this was the part that really stuck, he said that Omar Adam at his concerts has tens, this is what he said, tens of thousands of people, even if it's thousands of people. He said, and he'll at moments, at times, um, stop and scream out Shema Yisrael, and the crowd in a moment of inspiration and emotional bonding, and he said specifically now, during a time of war where people feel threatened, overwhelmed, anxiety provoked, he said you feel it in the air, the response, he said he was talking, I hope it's okay I quote him on this, he was talking to a friend in the yeshiva system and he said to him, you can't deny that in these situations when you have hundreds if not thousands of people crying out Shema Yisrael, even though it's a split moment of inspiration, that they're really transcending anything that on a daily basis, not that there's not moments as well, but even an absolute connectedness through Torah in the strictest, most pristine sense, Sometimes life, in the natural sense, in the this-worldly way, has a way, if we see it, if we're inspired to it, if we open our eyes to it, to open our eyes to, well, God's, God's presence in that life. So I wonder then if Yaakov, the end of Parashat Vayese, not surprisingly, very much expecting we should be him to discover God over the course of those years. He went into this with eyes wide open. But, go ahead, no problem. Yeah. This is after what? He's here after what? He, he just, he just, this, you know, here I'll give you the background. We're in last week's parasha still, so don't get too hung up on this. It's right after he left his parents' household. Okay. Esav was after him. His father says, go find the wife. He's on his way out. That's where that picks up. Um, the, the truth is, though, back to the imagery of the sulam for a moment before we move into this week's parasha, the sulam is really, at least in my mind, that imagery as well. The sulam, first and foremost, doesn't just have angels going up, it has angels coming down and going up, representative of beyond, out of Israel and in Israel, this world and, so to speak, that world, the spiritual and the physical, the this world and the that world being merged in some respect. I think that's what he's experienced. It's a good experience. It's as you're departing the household, so to speak, of heavens and going into the world of, well, land, can you find, Yaakov, a mindset can you live a life in which you experience these things together? It's hard to do. I think it's the mission, I think it's the mandate throughout of the Torah. I've, I've, you know, just the imagery of that, there's, there's a funny midrash that Rashi even quotes with regards to that sulam. Rashi seems to describe it as a ladder which comes from one place, Be'er Sheva, which is where Yaakov's coming from, which goes all the way up to Bet El, on the other end of it, that's where the top of it is, so it's over a place called Bet El. The bottom of it in his imagery, quotes from midrash, is in Be'er Sheva, and then the middle of it is over Makom HaMikdash, Rashi says, where Har HaMoriah was, which is interesting, at least in my mind. Wouldn't you imagine that Har HaMoriah, the Mikdash, would be the top of it? Instead, it's the middle. 
Because I think that the message to Yaakov then, the message to what the life of Yaakov, more than any of the other avot, Yaakov's the real world individual. Avraham has encountered people, but he was walking on air the whole time. Not literally, but he has that sort of life. Yitzhak never leaves Israel. Yaakov, with the trials and tribulations, the question is, what's at your center? I, I know that you're in this world. You're not, and, and I'm not imagining you as, as so to speak, uh, just getting up to the heavens. There's something in the middle of it. What's your perspective? It's the Bet HaMikdash. What's the vision of Bet HaMikdash? Time and again, I'm convinced Bet HaMikdash is supposed to be the conduit in this world to a heavenly approach. And so much so that I, I laugh at it, but I say it, I say it seriously at the same time. Think about what was done really hard, really hard to wrap our heads around this, because not the way, at least I would imagine it. What was done in the Mikdash? What was it a place for? So we try to portray it on Chabeav. We give like this, uh, this, more, um, this more idyllic um, Gan Eden type of thing. We would gather there and we'd have good congregational coming together. What was happening there? They were slaughtering animals, collecting blood, sprinkling them. I mean, this was, this was tailgating, you know, times 10. It, it, was, it was a consumption of meat and blood and burning. And that's what it was. That was the connect, but very much so. The Mikdash was supposed to be this Sulam a this-worldly experience within which you found sparks of, of godliness, where you realize that it's not negating, it's not what I do generally speaking, and I have the hard time and I live in this world, but I have moments where I think about God. No, I find him within that. And I... Yeah, getting there, getting there, because I think that's the climactic moment. Right? Uh, in other words, Serene saying that's the moment Yaakov has a name Yisrael. I want to get there. Because at this point, just to stop for a moment, Yaakov is not so much out of this world. The name Yaakov, at least the way Isav interpreted it, was You held on to me from the back two times. You were conniving. You went at me. I'm not, I'm not taking a stab at this negative or positive. But it's not a merging of senses. And in other words, the beracha was gotten in Yasav's eyes wrongfully. It wasn't, I'm above that. It wasn't, I know how to get this. I know how to be a part of this while at the same time being in another domain. It was instead, I need to play the game in the fullest sense. Yisrael might, and in the moment where he gets the name, be very different. But in a moment, in a moment or two, we'll get there. The beginning of Vayishlach, so that was, that was not the introduction, but that was the first stage of this. The beginning of Vayishlach starts like this, and it shouldn't be surprising. Vayishlach Yaakov, what's the next word? Malachim. Would you know it? He's sending Malachim. Now the translation, well, oh gosh, I wasn't expecting Art School to do that. Art School says, and Jacob sent angels ahead. Now that's not the simple interpretation. The simple interpretation is Malachim means messengers. That's generally speaking the way this, I mean, after all, he's sending people to talk, it sounds like. The Art School's writing that because of Rashi. If you look under the text, it says, Vaishlach Yaakov Malachim, Rashi writes, Malachim Mamash. Well, that's, that's very interesting. First and foremost, let's, let's speak honestly. He probably wasn't sending Malachim Mamash. I'm just telling you very honestly. It's hard to believe that Yaakov could turn to angels and command them to do something. I'm not putting it past him. It's hard to believe. So the simple interpretation is here is that he sent people. So then why does Rashi write that? Let me extend. Why does Art Scroll translate it as angels? I would suggest there's a message in that, and it's really the next stage in Yaakov's development. 
for Yaakov at this point, people and angels, my life with human beings in the, this world is almost indistinguishable, inseparable from Malachim Mamash. So the Pasuk uses the words Malachim, word Malachim to designate that he's sending people and Rashi says, oh, you should know. They were real angels. Avi Harari says he saw them as no different than real angels because for him, the real world experience was a spiritual experience. That ramp from bottom to up, going up and down, constantly feeling, realizing, experiencing life in a way that all the flavor and all the color of any spiritual ecstatic moment I have can and will be found in any experience, as simple as the grocery store or, I don't know, a drive down the block, that I can find it, not simple at all. Obviously, there are moments where it's more prone and more easy and riper and, 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 and easier to define it. But I wonder if that's the message again. Uh, I, I mentioned specifically as well, the difficult times being oftentimes, ironically, the best opportunities. When we feel vulnerable, when our guard is down, when we realize that we don't have the explanation, we then turn and seek and find God. It's actually at the end of that, that dream, when he wakes up and he says, Anochi lo yadati, I didn't know. That expression is a very telling expression. Yaakov's ability to say that, I'm confused, I'm overwhelmed is the moment where he's getting into this. So Yaakov starts off again with Malachim. He's not watching them in a dream. Not like that any longer. He's not pointing at them and saying, hey look, that's a Malach, or those are Malachim. This time, quote unquote, he's sending them. They're just a part of his life. Listen to what he does afterwards. He's sending them to his brother Esav, and then he's got plans. He's got plans because he fears Esav, for good reason. Esav is coming at him with many people. And Yaakov, on page 172, uh, well, let's look from the very top. Vayira Yaakov me'od. Yaakov fears very much. He splits the people who are together with him. He breaks the people and, and animals and everything into two camps. Remember those words, two camps? We saw that at the end of... Parashat When Yaakov saw the camp or camps of angels, he called the place Mahanaim, two camps. Instead of two camps of angels, it's the same, same word. Mahane, Mahanot, Mahanaim. It's two camps of people. Yaakov's come to the point here where his life is so integrated, so synthesized to the extent that we're noticing and seeing the same words. I think the Torah is purposefully injecting those time and again over here to make us realize, I saw this already, but those were angels. All this time it's human being. Maybe there isn't a difference at this point for Yaakov. Maybe he's, say it again. That's right, that's right, very much so. That's, that's really what I believe it is. It's Yaakov's growth and not so ironically, so I won't use that word any longer. It's through the hard time. It's through the difficult experiences that he has come out saying, I can and will find God through this. It's, it touches a little bit, I'm thinking in the moment, right, the, the Pasuk says uh, that he said, the, the words are to, to Esav, im lavan garti va'ehar ad atan. So the rabbis pick up on that word garti and they say, garti is the same gematria, it's the same numeric value as taryag, 613 mitzvot. I was with lavan and I fulfilled 613 mitzvot. 
cute. You know, it matches up. Unless that's the message here. Yaakov in his encounter with Esav and the rabbis through a hint, through that sort of statement are saying to us, Yaakov's approach of Esav is one in which he's not overwhelmed. He says, I've been through the difficult times. I've grown from them. This moment as a result has given me a certain self-confidence. I'm not nervous about this encounter. I need you to know that, Esav. I have full self-confidence as I'm encountering you because I feel a connectedness to God in this. I don't feel any disconnect. Uh, the well, life... To describe how scared he is. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. In other words, we're surprised the it's fact that he's... No, but Nava's saying, if, if he's really so integrated, if he's really so synthesized, what's he so nervous about? Right. But alternatively, no. it's his initial, initial no. response, normal human being with a normal response, but the reaction maybe being more, more impressive, specifically because of his emotions in that moment. Really overwhelmed, true, but quickly springing into action, springing into action in this fashion, in this way. Okay, with that, I bring us to what we were alluding to earlier, this really cryptic, hard to understand, mysterious encounter of Yaakov and someone. It's on page, it's Perek Lamedbe Pasuk Cafe, page 174. Um, 174, two lines, three lines from the bottom. Two lines from the bottom. Pasuk Cafe. Vayivater Yaakov Levado. So let me catch you up to date. Again, Yaakov now, Mikel, is on his way to encounter his brother. After two decades at the household of Lavan, and we're at this moment where we are imagining him, if we're reading it the way we have, where he's really grown, and not so surprisingly so, but very inspiringly so. Yaakov levado Yaakov is, for some reason, upon this encounter, he, the Pasuk says he brings his family, and then he seems to return, and now he's alone, or he's stranded by himself. Uh, could be a reason for becoming overwhelmed, you're by yourself. It could alternatively be, if we're strong with ourselves, if we have a self-conviction, if we've developed ourselves to the point that we trust our intuition, we trust our connectedness, our understanding, and never fully and entirely so, but we've developed a certain personality that's not just dependent upon others, Yaakov is in this moment. So his livado, his being alone, is not, um, more than once my father, when I was younger, quoted from a, an essay I later read and was inspired by myself, by one of his rabbis, Rabbi Soloveitchik. It's called The Lonely Man of Faith. That's the name of the essay. And he very interestingly and importantly at the onset distinguishes between the word lonely and alone. He says, alone is what you and I might say, mean when we say we're lonely. He says, alone is depressing, emotional anguish, having a hard time, I feel abandoned, and so forth. That's alone. Lonely, okay, maybe his English is off on this. It wasn't his first language, but you can appreciate at the same time two types of being alone at the very least. He said, lonely in the lonely man of faith is this existential loneliness. Existential meaning from existence. Not that, as he describes, this ideal of human development. Not that we should have emotional, overwhelming lives. We should, though, be comfortable feeling by ourself 
a being who's striving. I don't need to define myself by the world around me, by the community who surrounds me, by my family members. All of them are very important. And I drive myself through and with them and I develop myself in my conversations and relationships. But ultimately speaking, a certain loneliness could be healthy and is important. That's how we grow. His alone or loneliness in this moment is not so much a negative, it's entirely, look at who he is. He's a person who's coming to his own. Right, you're, you're doing it the opposite way of Rabbi Salvatore. Regardless, regardless, Levado over here is the positive one, is what I'm saying. Um, he has, um, has he developed to the point where he was comfortable being alone? Remember, this, this is where he's Levado healthily. Right, beginning of Vayetze, he's alone, and it's Vayira Vayomar, and Manora. Over here, he's alone or lonely, and he's very calm. Vayeavek ish imo. Pasuk says that an ish struggles with him. Who's ish? Ish means man. Right, man. Right, but hang tight. So the rabbis say, Rashi and others say, this ish is uh, some sort of angelic being. It's Saroshel Esav. Whatever that means, the minister of, 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 of above, of Esav. But the Pasuk describes it as an ish. That's interesting. Right, Beatrice? Intertwined. It's the same thing to a certain extent. Hang tight. It gets even better. So they're struggling, and this ish, angel, human being, one, the same, uh, ultimately speaking, harms Yaakov a bit because Yaakov is in so much control of it, him. Yaakov in this moment demands a beracha. We know about Yaakov and berachot in the past. Yaakov in the past didn't demand beracha. Yaakov in the past had to achieve the beracha in a vayakeveni way. He needed to get in without Yitzhak knowing who he was blessing. That's how he achieved beracha in the past. Right now, Yaakov stares Ish in the eyes and says, I deserve a beracha. My levado moment, my being complete with myself, my enmeshing of that spiritual and physical, the hardships of this life, but my connectedness to God is complete. I deserve that beracha. And now it's really telling. So this Ish says to him, What's your name? What a strange comment. What do you mean, what's your name? My name is Yaakov. Why is that significant? And the name will change in a moment. But listen to the contrast to the last time. He wasn't asked his name, but there was an individual who said to him, Are you Esav? And he said, Indeed. It was Yitzhak's words to Yaakov in Parashat Toledot as he enters into the room to take the berach, to get the beracha. Who are you? Effectively saying, What's your name? What was his response then? This time, staring him in the eyes, I deserve the beracha. Want to know what my name is? It's Yaakov. I have nothing to hide. I have nothing that's holding me back. I've integrated myself. I've, come, I've become so wholesome and, and complete with myself in terms of my engagement with this world and my life. There's no disconnect. I deserve that beracha. The response in turn, ironically, without a beracha, the beracha seems to be the next statement. There, he asked for a beracha. You're expecting, okay, uh, I don't know, not the lecha, you already got that one. Some beracha, no beracha. What is the beracha? That shouldn't be your name. 
but, but better than that. Listen to the words. Ye'amer means will be said. Ki'im Yisrael. No longer will your name be said as Ya'akob. It will be instead Yisrael. It's almost as if, not a new name, it's just they shouldn't call you that any longer. You were always Yisrael, or at the very least, you are Yisrael. Yisrael, Yisrael, Milashon Yashar. Yisrael, straight. Yisrael, there's nothing crooked here. There's nothing out of line. Further, Kisarita, you struggled, im Elohim, wrestled, im Elohim, ve'im anashim vatuchal. Who did you struggle with? Elohim, God, divine, spiritual, ve'im anashim vatuchal, and you were successful. Your name, it's almost as if you don't even need a beracha. You are the source of beracha. You've achieved it. You want to know how I'm going to portray your achieving of that? By saying that for you, the struggle has been and is with God, the spiritual, and anashim, the mundane, the this world, and you've been successful. The life of Yaakov, in short, put all together in that moment, as he achieves, as he becomes Yisrael, or he doesn't become, he's already been, if we're reading the words carefully. He is Yisrael. What is Yisrael? Yisrael is Anashim and Elohim. It's one and the same for me. I don't distinguish. My, my, my engagement with that person was no different. Ironically, it'll feel and it looks different. And in truth, when I was talking to that person, for them it was just a conversation. For me, it was a moment of growth. For me, it was like I was talking to God in prayer. If we get there, Yaakov in this moment, after the struggle, during the time, and think for a moment as well, and this is really for me the crux of it, when is this encounter? I pointed out the end of Parashat Vayese was after the 20 years with, 20 plus years with Lavan. This encounter is right before the fearful, fateful encounter with Esav. It could, you couldn't find a more vulnerable moment in anyone's life. He fears his life. He's about to meet his destiny, and in that moment, he rises to the occasion, stares, so to speak, his destiny, his reality, his consciousness in the eyes, this Ish, and, and, and has no difficulty doing so. The response in turn is, I need a beracha. You, you have that beracha. You are Yisrael. It could be, or alternatively, you've come to the point where Whatever happened with Esav is behind you. Because I'll, I'll tell you, I, I wasn't even going to go here, but I've said it in the past as well, that when he encounters Esav, his words to Esav are, Kahna et birchati asher huvat lach. Esav, take my birchati. Now what birchati over there, just like malach really meant messenger, over there it doesn't mean a birchati, it means my presence. He brought him presence. But the word the Torah uses, birchati, is very telling. It's almost as if he's saying to Esav, Esav, everything I got in the past, that whole Yaakov experience, I don't need that. That's behind me. And, and take it, please. It's entirely yours. I didn't need and I don't need and I've come to the point where I realized there was no disconnect. I didn't need to overstretch myself that way or another in order to raise, in order to raise myself up. That's, that, that's a point of, of, of you know, transcendence in the life of Yaakov where he's able to say that if he means something along those lines. I, I say this 
very clearly and very, and very honestly, this achievement, this Yaakov vision, is an ideal. It's something we all strive for. But we forget that we strive for that. That's the point more than anything. This message is a motif of mine because we all fail at remembering this. What do I mean by that? So the walk down the block and, the, uh, and, and buying the coffee uh, a few blocks away is not going to be a spiritual experience 99 times out of 100, 99.9% of the time in our lives, except for there was some miracle that took place in the moment. Right? I, I get that. But the fact that we fail at looking for an integration, the fact that we're not striving for that, that there are moments where we could become inspired, where we could connect, and we don't because we don't have it on our radar, because it's not what we're striving for, I think at the very least we can become inspired to that from the life of Yaakov. We're in, a, what, a little bit more than a week, Hanukkah approaching, a little bit of time, Hanukkah approaching, and Hanukkah, is it next week? Oh, less than a week. Uh, oh, next week. Exactly a week. And Hanukkah is, at least in, in, in many senses, uh, a holiday which embraces that. Hanukkah is a time during which a victory with might, but not per se with muscles, was uh, the achievement. And it's not to say that there wasn't strategy, and it's not to say that there wasn't attempt. There was all that there, and it was nonetheless experienced as miraculous. There was an ability through war to say, I found God, commemorated and remembered, memorialized through a lighting of the menorah, which lasted a long period of time. Well, that's an entire, the, the menorah, which fascinatingly, at least in my opinion, became enmeshed with the holiday. The holiday became about the menorah. There's little memory, unfortunately, about the war that was won. There were efforts here. We forget about the war and we say, oh, it was all about, we just want God to light up our candles. No, 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 there was a war. We fought it valiantly, courageously, etc. That, that's all there, but for us, they became one and the same. For us, it became a war which was experienced as, well, I found God through this. Now, it's true, we won that war. There's no questioning that. But we wouldn't just celebrate a victory. We've celebrated a victory and realized in it a certain spiritual growth as well at a time during which the Yevanim, at least the way we remember them, the Greeks, were very much focused on well, the physical achievement and seeing not no spirituality but a certain separation. See a beauty in your body and alternatively find gods elsewhere. Uh, the, the, the victory is commemorated, is understood as my might, maybe I, maybe I was me'at, maybe I was halash, maybe I was, but listen for a moment even to the words that we say in the prayer, in, in uh, the Al-Hanisim. We, we remember and thank God for the miracle of Rabim biyad me'atim, understood. We were the small, and they were the strong ones. But we say as well, Sadikim biyad reshaim, and Zedin biyad osket toratecha. That's a very funny mention. Uh, we, God, an amazing victory, because those who were little beat those who were strong. I get that. In the same sentence you say, and those who were righteous beat those who were wicked, I mean, that's, that's very apparent. That's very forthcoming. If we're, if we're exper- but it's, I wonder if the, the mention instead is, it's an inspiring mention. I understand this victory as one which was entirely integrated with one in which our righteousness, one in which our spirituality grew through that victory. Not that it was entirely owed to, we just studied Torah. Of course we fought it. 
but we see in the victory a certain intermingling, a certain synthesizing of the two. I, I just I leave you with that as a as an inspiration, as an ideal, as something we should strive for for the life of Yaakov to begin with observing angels, to pointing at angels, to not manipulating but dealing with angels, meaning seeing no difference between them in his life. Canon should be our, uh, our our direction, our our inspiration to to growth and to a life of well, synthesis and, uh, and seeing within everything, especially the difficult times, the opportunity for growth. Yeah? I was just saying, when he edits in his name, the angel, he says, like, doesn't matter? As in his name and the angel says, it doesn't matter. And then... Right. Oh, that's what you're suggesting. In other words, yeah. his response is, you don't need my name because you're, you're almost above that. It's not, uh, it's a, he, he happens to name the place Peniel, which is interesting as well. Peniel, he saw the face of God in that moment. Isn't that funny? He, it started with Vayeavik Ish Imo. A man fought with him. And it ends with, I saw God, because it's one and the same. And Beatrice, you're, you're, you're suggesting further the response that, my name? I mean, what type of thing is that? I, I, you, you know what I, you're above that, so to speak. Yeah, very much, very much the achievement, very much that moment of, of inspiration in the life of Yaakov as he becomes not just Yaakov, or was already, we just now appreciated, the Israel experience as well. All right. Amen.